Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh, pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DC news 35 that's DC N E W S 35 DC news 35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com Welcome fans of everything to do with DC Comics. This is the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 110. I'm Steve, and with me are my brothers in arms, my compatriots, my Justice League brethren. First of all, it's Brad Fantastic Flicky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And Seth Superman Stands for Hope Singleton. Hope, baby. Every day. Every way. How are you? (laughs) And we have amazing news. Lots and lots of amazing news. And some of it is about this little independent film, which nobody's ever heard of, which has uh, come out to no furore, no speculation and no hype whatsoever. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, it's here. It's real. It's a thing. I loved it. Did you love it? Did Brad love it? Did Seth love it? Let's find out. But first of all, let's talk about how people had a note, (laughs) a doctor's note for release day that they could fill in and show their employers. Brad, did this make you giggle as much as it made me? It it did. And I think, you know, had we not gone into pandemic and been working from home, I probably would have used this doctor's excuse to get out of work that day because nothing was going to stop me from uh, from watching it as soon as I could. So, yeah, I it made me laugh and I would have used it. (laughs) Seth, what do you think? (laughs) I most certainly would have. In fact, should I have found myself, you know, pressed by my wife this would have been the first thing i turned over to her like i'm sorry i went to the doctor and this is what they said i love you and now i'm watching it but she was right there beside me so um i was in good shape i was in good shape steve what was your take did you did you think about keeping this one in the back pocket well again we're at home we're not leaving the house we're still under lockdown until april 12th so it was there um i could watch it but um like brad said if i'd have been at work this would have been printed out laminated and handed over to the employer like "Uh uh-uh it's snyder day are you cray cray i'm watching this film adam and i got up at stupid o'clock we plugged in the surround sound and we watched it and we loved it and my wife 
from our reactions and from things she's seen online actually says well actually i want to watch this film so tomorrow we're going to do it all over again and uh, well you know me <laughs> that makes me happy so yeah um doctor's note thank you wasn't required on this instance but hey uh, the next big dc movie that comes out if i'm back in the office i can just uh, retweet the title and uh, have that in my back pocket for emergencies i think that's the way forward but um like i said i loved it guys did you love it some of the critics loved it what do you think of this story brad uh i did i did love it um and i you know there was a time not too long ago where there was a lot of hate throwing Zack Snyder's way and all through that. And maybe even on some of the earlier episodes of this podcast, I consider I may have talked about myself in terms of being a Zack Snyder apologist. And I feel, I feel vindicated and I can't imagine how Zack feels because these critics are loving it. Fans are absolutely loving it. Uh, it, it's just great to see uh, Zack Snyder's back in a huge way, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we hear some announcements in the near future that um, his vision's going to continue. That would not surprise me at all. I mean, uh, you know, everybody was watching it, and I haven't really read one bad thing about it from critics you know other than then his music choices were a little strange and some of the cgi didn't seem polished that was that's that's all i've seen negative about it and those are really small things considering the blockbuster incredible four-hour extravaganza that we uh we were able to see finally uh seth what was your take absolutely beautiful absolutely beautiful i mean (laughs) this this offered so many wonderful pieces that you knew were missing from the version that had been shown in theaters in 2017 you just it was like the heart was missing from that one and here the heart was present it was beating it was pumping blood to so many great places and through it it was hard not to just sort of smile take a deep breath and and breathe in that excitement that emotion it it was really lovely to watch uh, my wife was sitting there next to me she she told me a few days before that she wanted to be there with me when i watched it and while she wasn't aware of all the nuances between the previous and this version she said immediately well i can already tell it's gorgeous in its production that the way it's shot is just exquisite and i i loved hearing that from someone who was watching it more because i was watching it but even what she was taking in in a sense either peripherally or on on a on a level where she was sort of just taking in a face value and also not always just committed to it but for every moment she would look at when she would hear me react or something would catch her attention she was just you know amazed you know at the at the wonder and for me uh the the heart that I was talking about just a moment ago, it 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 was filled with all of those ideas that, you know, Zack Snyder finally had the chance to bring to life. And there was no lacking 
as far as I was concerned. I thought it was it was definitely the movie that fans deserve. It's the one they've been waiting for. And uh, I was so excited. I, I went back on later. I did the watch party thing. Uh, heard some really great stuff from Zach. And it was really cool to add those additional insights and and hear, you know, some some possibilities and also how at times he would just sort of clarify some things for fans who were like, hey, I'm just trying to get an idea of what's going on as far as, you know, how much time has gone on since the end of Batman versus Superman in this movie and what else can you talk to us about? And man, I, I, at the time I was finished with it, I looked at my wife afterwards and I said, I've watched it once, I could watch it again. And later when I finished the watch party, I said, I could watch it a third time right now. No problem. And I feel that way thinking about, like, could I watch this movie every day for the foreseeable future? Yes. Steve, how about you? I love that because a few of the negatives I've seen, this is mainly from uh, haters and negative fans, that um, it did not need to be four hours. No, it didn't. But do you tell um people who love war and peace that that book should have been a third of its size do you tell the people who love the lord of the rings that those films were too long um do you tell comic book fans that um watchman oh well that's a failure because he didn't do it within 22 pages no you don't it's four hours and as far as i'm concerned every single one was necessary i loved every second of it i thought the pacing of it was was perfect like you said the beauty of the cinematography and the direction i'm no movie expert i don't know about filmmaking film structure and anything like that but i have watched thousands and thousands of films over my lifetime because i love movies passionately big screen small screen american british foreign i love films and the theatrical cut that we got in 2017 didn't flow. It was a Frankenstein's monster of a movie where some scenes you could tell were tacked on, rushed, hurried. And I'm not even talking about moustache lips and, and whatever else. I'm talking about scenes that were tacked on, scenes where the actors were clearly not in the same room at the same time. And it just jarred. Now, my son has studied filmmaking. He saw the theatrical cut of Justice League once in the theatre and refused to watch it again. He sat through all four hours of this film. He said, Dad, that was a masterpiece. That was beautiful. His words, a youngster, a 25 year old man. And I do believe some of this is attention deficit disorder. Some people just do not have an attention span. My son does mildly suffer from ADHD and he loved the film. He said that... um, he could easily watch it again and that's the one thing i had coming in can i sit and watch through a four-hour movie because i ain't getting any younger but um i did and i will happily will again and with my wife saying she's interested we will watch this film again tomorrow and i cannot wait so i agree with everything you said brothers as always as always and well let's be honest In the theatre, it might not have been as successful. Four hours is a long time. But um, it seems like the HBO strategy was a winner. And the next story talks about that strategy and how it went forward. And I have to say, it was eye-opening, and I agree with most of it. Brad, what did you make of this story? Yeah, I I agree. 
I think that it has been a success. Uh, it is, you know, like the article says, it's going to get people talking about HBO Max for months. Uh, you know, because this the buzz around this isn't going away anytime, anytime soon. And uh, it, it's it, it's and it's all been positive. And it. It, it does show that there were that it, it was kind of a smart move for them to say, OK, we're going to release these movies streaming and in the theaters, uh, even though Justice League wouldn't necessarily be released in the theaters. It does show that uh, people are responding to that part of the strategy as well. But, you know, it, between this and something like The Irishman, this could almost be a new way of telling stories, you know, not not a new medium necessarily but th- these longer stretched out movies that aren't quite a miniseries they're longer than movies it's like a whole new universe of storytelling you know i you know if you, if you're going to give Zack Snyder the keys to uh, a rebooted Snyderverse i would almost want him to be able to not be restrained by things like running times and just let him have at it because you know the way he tells stories is uh is these longer generally these longer movies and it's just it would just be great to let him you know play in that sandbox for as long as he wanted so it'll be interesting to see you know if that is something that comes up with these kind of longer movies that are even over three hours four hours maybe even four and a half you know it's it's the possibilities are endless so yeah i think the strategy did pay off and paid off maybe even more than they were expecting it to so that that's you know that that's great to see uh seth what was your take boy brad you could could just keep going if you wanted man (laughs) you were really tapping into some great ideas there like yeah could this be a paradigm shift right right steve like yeah come on man we're all chomping at the bits to to figure out how we're supposed to follow up to that. Uh, and then two, what, what do we say that doesn't sound like an echo? But paradigm shift, man. The idea of what we're, what we say we can handle or, you know, what we might sort of posit the idea of something four hours in length. This movie just suggests, well, if you do it right, it doesn't feel like four hours. And I, I chuckled when, uh, you know, I think it was, who was it? Uh, Rob Liefeld was, uh, you know, tag something on because i guess he got a chance to see an early version and he was like dude it was four hours and it felt like nothing <laughs> like it just you know it flew by so i i do agree that the way it was set up on hbo max is brilliant brad i also thought you brought up a great point about would this have had the same sort of response uh if it was re-released in the theaters i, I think this platform setup uh was the best way to go and i love the fact that because of that you know four-hour time frame there there wasn't the question of how does that work logistically with theaters it, it works logistically with how people live their lives if you want to pause it at yeah. some point yeah you, you can pause grab it, a snack right? you can yeah yeah it's, go to the bathroom control. live your life <laughs> yeah yeah i stopped plenty of time for bathroom breaks for more coffee because i wanted to snack on something i mean because i didn't want to miss anything i just wanted to pause it for a moment so i could get something that i know would allow me to continue enjoying the experience, not be distracted by hunger pangs or, you know, 
bladder issues. <laughs> but also, I, I love what this uh, this article suggests, just with some of the ideas about how you know HBO Max with this project is saying, one, we're the home for DC. We're it now for all of DC's content. We want to be the home. And we're staking a claim to that with this movie. The publicity idea that it brings up has been extremely positive as far as I can tell. And any negative publicity is like anytime anybody does something great and someone's like, nah, I can knock it down. Give me a second. Let me find a way to just throw stones. Um, and it, it works perfectly with something that Warner Brothers was already trying to do. You know, they wanted to get past the idea of there only being the focus on what happens in theaters. And suddenly Snyder's just sitting there like, yeah, man. So I don't know if you've heard about my Vanity Fair article, but I've got this four hour thing just sitting on my hard drive. Just chilling. What do you want to do? And, <laughs> and thankfully, they made the right move. But I, I love the suggestion that there's still so much more. Uh, like I said, when I was hanging out at that watch party, one thing that did come up is before the movie even started and he was doing the commentary along with it, there were some early questions. And one was, you know, are you now thinking about doing any future projects? And he was really diplomatic in saying, you know what, we're really grateful to be here today, hearing your responses and joining you for this watch party. And all we want to do today is focus on the celebration. We just want to focus on that. Whatever conversations happen tomorrow and the next day, that that'll be tomorrow and the next day. But today we're here with you. We're here with the fans. We want to celebrate. And our whole intention for right now is to party and have fun with you and, you know, cheer and laugh. And yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And I, I love the sense that he's like, yeah, that could all be there. But today we're not talking about that. Today we're talking about today. Um, gives me plenty of time to keep looking forward in the future. Steve, what do yeah. you think? Nice. Very, very nice. And let's be honest, this is a different world to the one where we grew up. I mean, myself, even more so because I'm a good five or six years older than, than you guys. But um, let's think about how amazing having a streaming service is. And I mean, who would have thought 10, 15 years ago that whatever movie you wanted to see, whatever TV show you wanted to watch, you could switch on your TV, play it. Pick from a catalogue and play it. Same with music, Spotify and Apple and everything else. And the way that things have changed. Hey, when I was a kid, I mean, you guys would have experienced the same thing. If you missed your favourite show, you missed it. You wouldn't be able to see it again. And your friends would laugh at you the next day because you missed that episode and they could talk about it and you couldn't. Now... You can watch a show from 10 years ago from beginning to end, every episode, every season, and it's there. So releasing a four-hour movie at a theatre may have been a huge gamble. That's the only reason I can see for this film not being released when it was supposed to, because watching it, I think, well, hey, um, this is much better than what we got. Why didn't you release it? But the time factor is a factor when it comes to a theatrical release on a platform like hbo max hells to the yes and guys like you said with the old bladder comment i feel you brother um those six chapter breaks in the epilogue were a lifesaver now i'm a person who likes to watch a movie from beginning <laughs> to end but my wife is a oh stop snack oh stop phone message oh stop this and in a the theater that drives me 
effing crazy. I will point, shout at the guys three roads ahead. Hey, turn your phone off. It's distracting me from watching the film I paid to see. But at home, you can't really do that. So having this movie, which I'm positive now, having heard your reaction, Seth, having heard reactions from some of my team at Dark Knight News that their wives watched it and loved it and said, hey, why did this come out in cinema? That's way better than what we got. Um, it just makes me happy. So this strategy, this whole HBO Max thing, hey, it's a winner. And uh, if I didn't want it before, which I did, and I don't have it, now I really want it. But uh, the fate that conspired to have me born in the UK, what you gonna do? But let's move on and talk about something we haven't spoken about before. Oh, no, sorry. Yes, we have. The slider cut. And... Um, that ending, which um, I didn't really need explaining, but some people did explain. But I will be honest, things came out of this. And let's be um, spoiler light on this. And um, let's uh, let, let fans know that um, we're not going to give away too much. But do you think the explanation was necessary? And did it highlight anything to you that you'd missed, Brad? Just uh, before I continue i just want to add one more thought to kind of the last story and, and reactions and strategies and it's a hill i will die on is that the failure of the justice league that we got in the theaters was one of the most important and positive things to happen to dc in years because it re it, it forced them to refocus and tell different types of stories that work so well in how we got the first Wonder Woman movie and, and Shazam and all that. But this, the success of this could be just as important and just as positive because it does open those uh, Absolutely. those at those new avenues. And uh, it's just, you know, our our standard refrain. It's a great time to be a DC fan. But this. Yeah. The, yeah it's just you know, it's incredible. The reaction is just incredible from fans, from critics. Uh, I, I just love it all. It's it's why we love these things that we do and talk about so passionately. And as far as going back to the story that um, <laughs> that you um, just asked us about, I this I found you know, and I'm not gonna you know I won't spoil anything, but I did find this article very helpful in, in um, drawing lines between certain things that happen in, in the film. And that was, so, y y you know, if you have seen the movie, I would, I would recommend looking this, uh, this article up to um, really help paint a nice roadmap of what those ending or endings meant. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, check that out on, on Vanity Fair. Uh, Snyder, uh, Seth, sorry, what did you think? <laughs> I almost called you Snyder, man. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 that's awesome. how much we've been talking about him for weeks now, years, it feels like. <laughs> uh, that's pretty awesome, man. That was, that's, yeah, Josh, just, can we get a cut clip of that? Play it everywhere. <laughs> just everywhere, man. Like, <laughs> that's it. Um, I, I love the fact that when I'm watching something, I'm I'm taking in what I've already gleaned from being a fan of comics, being a fan of of the stories, and and what they're doing with that information, which I'm hoping is is based mostly in comics, but also from the ideas of it, and then whatever extrapolation or vision. But that when they're doing that, if 
see, and here's the kicker. I'm watching this with my wife, who doesn't know this material the same way, who sometimes will say, hey, isn't this character in Marvel when they're in DC or vice versa, which is just the most adorable thing that she's trying, <laughs> you know, that she's like, I think I wait, is this right? And then, well, we can have a fun chat. And then at some point, I feel like her like nerd capacities they just sort of like overflow and she's like done i'm glossing over i can't i can't absorb anymore you're you're too much so while this movie's going on and she's asking me these questions i'm fielding them sort of like staring at the screen or pausing it to you know go into an explanation but there's always that possibility i misinterpret something i could think i know what's going on in front of me but there's context and all these other fun things to consider. So for me, it was kind of fun to read through this. And I was like, yeah, I got that right. I got that right. I <laughs> and that was probably the real fun for me. In fact, we've got one or two more of these like this um, where we look at what they tell us. And if you've seen the movie, check it out. You know, it's it's really fun to just sort of compare what you think with what these guys think. Because until Snyder, you know, comes out and draws an exact dot or outline chart explaining where it is he was doing things and the why and where we got it wrong and where we didn't quizzes and things like that i mean our conjecture is as good as the person who wrote the article but for the most part it was kind of uh fun for me to to see these things and go that's what i thought okay yeah and this and that and and that was a lot of fun and i feel like these other articles where it's like hey if you've seen it Check out some of these, you know, things that contain spoilers, but are great to sort of relive the moment. And also, hey, if you miss something, that's okay. You know, at the same time, you're trying to take something from another person's vision. And and the translation doesn't always happen perfectly. Um, But this was a lot of fun for me to just see how this is presenting those ideas and giving anyone who watched it the opportunity to sort of match it up against what they thought, what they believe. And you're still welcome to your opinion. I mean, that's the great thing I think about this project is while you're watching it, you can agree with this article. You can disagree. You can say yay and nay, or you can just climb down into your nerd repository and start pulling out all the reasons that this is an example of something else or however you choose to approach it. So I think it's a lot of fun with these that, you know, there can be that mixture of fact, conjecture, and also there's all about what we believe. Yep. That's my hope shining through. Steve, how about you? Well said, brother. Uh, And being the kind of people we are and being the fans we are, it does feel lovely when people say something and you think, yes, I was right. Woo. Love it. So, yeah, absolutely. Head over to Vanity Fair, check out this article and, um, you know, it will really, really either make you smile or make you scratch your head and think, oh, right. Let me watch that again. Either way, everybody wins. Now, Zack Snyder has won in the end. He got his vision on screen and 90 percent of people think, well, hey, damn that was great but there were rules he did have to follow some guidelines some of which he followed and some of which he just went nope brad what'd you make of this little story uh one in particular has me really intrigued and once again won't get spoilery but um certain characters he wanted to use and 
couldn't and the reasons why he couldn't makes me very intrigued for what's going to be coming down the road because uh it's a character that i'd like to see more of and kind of deserves better than what the character's gotten on screen so uh, i'm very intrigued about that so uh yeah and uh you know i had had Warner Brothers known it was going to be this successful, would they have taken those rules away and said just go crazy? Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure, but um, but at the end of the day, we still love the version we got, so so it's all good. Uh, Seth, what do you think? <laughs> have you seen Chicago, the musical? Have you have you seen that, Brad? Yeah. Do you know the part where Richard Gere's character, the lawyer, is about to really work one on the court? And uh, there's like a piano ditty and he starts tap dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly saw you. All right. I saw you. Because you're like, I know what the thing is. And I need to talk about the thing without saying the thing. Because then, then I did it. <laughs> And here's where I get to do my version of that, which is regarding characters described in this and whether or not they were asked about or could have been concluded and the decision by the studio, no. Something he did say at the watch party was, yes, regarding um, this character we're tiptoeing around (laughs) and not naming, um, even as recent as preparing the, the Snyder Cut when asked about it. Their response was, no, we have projects on the horizon. Like, there's something in the works. And they wouldn't give him any more than that. It's just there's something in in the works. There's something being planned. And that's why we're asking you not to do this. Which, for me, was huge. Like, you know, you, you just sort of get that excitement at that idea of, okay, so the reason is because there's a possibility. Now, who knows how it's going to shape out? And I love the idea of if they hadn't said that, how much more could have been, you know, added to this? How many more besides this character could have been included? So it was it was really sort of fun to hear that suggestion because it was like answering, well, they couldn't. I can't give you more reasons and beyond. They have something they're working on. And that's the reason they gave me, which I thought was a a really fun answer. And um Tip a tap a tip a tap a shuffle step, Steve. Oh yeah, buzz 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 goes the bumblebee and the hive mind. That's the bit that stuck out for me. You can't do this because we're doing something. That just makes me smile. That means more things are coming. And um, hey, when it comes to DC projects, well, who do we write for, guys? What do we want to know about more? DC things are coming. Now let's take a little break between all the positives and all the wonderful things about the final release of the Snyder Cut. Now go back and discuss something that's been on the sidelines, on the periphery of this project and the horrible goings on behind the scenes of the theatrical version as To my mind, Ray Fisher has been vindicated in much the same way 
that Zack Snyder has with all these people from Buffy and all of other the other Joss uh, Whedon projects coming out and saying similar things. But um, now both Ray Fisher and Zack Snyder have come out to discuss the Whedon allegations and the onset behaviour. And gentlemen, I would love to hear your thoughts on these stories from these two fine gentlemen. Brad. You know, I, I have to say that their accounts, Fisher's accounts, that does kind of track with what I've heard about Joss Whedon and him being kind of full of himself. And, you know, I could see him, you know, coming off of working with the stars of the Avengers, coming in thinking he's all high and mighty and above all this. But now look how that's turned out. For him uh these these actors and actresses that he thought he was so much above now they are on top of the world right now there's there's no star bigger than gal gadot uh you know and and jason momoa forget about it um they're more than household names these days so you know what what a jerk man and it's a shame because i i i really loved a lot of his work i loved buffy in fact Buffy was what got me back into comics in, in 2005 and, and just because he was writing Astonishing X-Men and I wanted to check it out. That brought me back into the comic book shop. So it's kind of as somebody who was such a Josh Whedon friend, it is kind of heartbreaking to see these realities revealed. It's like, you know, it's like that old saying, don't meet your heroes. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I'm thankful that Ray Fisher has been brave enough to to talk about it so yeah i mean that's my it's my stance as of now seth what do you think well there's a lot to take away from both of these articles i mean the first one uh, steve i completely agree ray fisher is vindicated without question i mean it it's it's hard i think to be a voice all alone and to you know continue to press and be relentless but it, it paid off when recently everyone from Charisma Carpenter uh, to so many others. And it was weird that right before Justice League came out, there was that brief stirring where um, Joss Whedon's, I think it was then wife, maybe it was ex-wife. I'm not privy to like uh, the goings-ons of Hollywood and relationships or status or anything else like that. But I distinctly remember coming across this letter she'd written where she was announcing to the press a lot of things that he had done. And she was essentially saying that these had been covered up or glossed over. And there was an image of him that was one way, but who he was was someone she wanted to expose. And that just seemed to get really quiet for a while. And then there was mostly just the focus on how poorly Justice League performed and the response by critics. But then gradually since then, there had been this stirring and... Ray Fisher's examples in here do really help point a light and shine a light, paint a picture for this idea of, as he describes it, you know, Whedon coming off of a lot of negativity following Ultron, maybe being uh, defensive, um, maybe pugnacious, maybe a lot of other things. But through this description, it sounds like there was a lot of push, a lot of struggle. Um, the term egotistical narcissism is... <laughs> One that is so well used, um, but also some of the examples he 
Ray Fisher points out with the idea of what he felt were copy and paste moments, like Flash falling on to Wonder Woman, which was something he felt was copied directly out of Ultron. And other similarities that he felt were, I, I think the best way I can sort of um, describe them from what I've read was uh, disingenuous, <laughs> um, contrived. It. I also felt like there was this weird description of a backhanded compliment by comparing Fisher to Robert Downey Jr., but the reason doing so is because they both don't like something. It it, it was very interesting, and then looking over at the uh, response by Snyder um, and his thoughts, I was kind of heartbroken for the moment when he said the last thing they wanted to do was call me complaining about them having a hard time. And these guys are my friends. They're amazing actors. I want them to be taken care of and in a healthy situation. But then also, I thought it was really interesting that he was very aware of the fact that what he was doing now and through the Snyder Cut is very separate from anything DC seems to be uh, doing regarding uh, continuity or the canon or what their idea of what does and doesn't fit. But Brad, I also felt like you touched into the idea of you know, now we we can consider because what Justice League did forced a re-examination by Warner Brothers, that if we can tell stories in different universes, then the Snyderverse has, I think, many more stories to tell. And now it has a home where it can tell them. And I I think one of the best things that you pointed out was the idea of how failure leads to success. We We hear people say this all the time when they're giving those speeches about like, I failed this many times before success. Well, guess what? This is what failure and success looks like. It, it, it was played out right in front of us on the screen, in media, in print, as well as online. And that failure led to the success we're experiencing now. You can't have one without the other. And because of it, a lot of great things are known and Unfortunately, a lot of sad things are known. I mean, Joss Whedon made a place in my heart the moment he wrote that monologue for Angel about if we weren't so human from Buffy. The moment I saw that, I was struck by just how brilliant it was and how powerful. And much like any other time, you, you come across a brilliant artist who at the same time has things they do as a person, which... You either have to separate or it will always tinge what they've done. This was a hard one just because you can think of all the ways it could have happened better, could have been better. But you're also reminded that if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the hardship, we wouldn't have what we're enjoying now. Steve, what was your take, man? That was very, very well put. Yeah, Um, it, it really is sad when someone that you looked up to and I, I did look up to Joss Whedon. I loved his work. I mean, Firefly and Serenity, nothing will ever take those pieces of art from my heart. I will love them forever because they are great. I just have to separate them from the man who uh, created them. But uh, I also have to stand up and applaud Ray Fisher. I have to stand up and applaud Zack Snyder because they went through some rough stuff and they came out the other side um, better stand up to bullies don't let them get away with it and don't let the bullies whether they're the person directing the film or writing the film or the studio making the film 
stop you from being you and sharing your voice with the world. That's the only advice, really, that's hugely important to come out of all of this. So let's now step away from the little negatives and back to uh, another positive and our final Zack Snyder Justice League um, story of the evening and talk about a little bit about a brilliant news article on the DC Comics uh, website, their blog with all the Easter eggs from the film, um, most of which I caught, but obviously, yep, even my eagle eye missed a couple, and I can't wait to spot them when I re-watch the film. So, Brad, um, without giving too much away, we'll, again, we'll give the website to our listeners. W- what did you make of this great little story? This was another one that I found very helpful because I I did miss a lot of these, and it really makes the movie that much richer after looking at this, looking these over. Um, so yeah, this is this is a lot of fun, especially for fans of the comics because there are a lot of direct comic references in this. Uh, and I one that I really liked was a uh, a certain tribute to. Uh, one of DC's most underappreciated creators. So I thought that was that was a really cool little addition there. So yeah, these are these are fun. And yeah, I did I did miss a lot of these. Uh, Seth, what do you think? So there were some that I saw. There were some that I missed. Um, most though were for me just a delight. And this was again one of those great confirmations. You know what I mean? Where you're <laughs> you're like that's. Oh, God, how tired am I? But it is, right? And then you look through this article and you're like, yeah, I thought so. That moment when I thought I knew what I thought I knew, I did. And it was a lot of fun. There was one that I missed. And I I can't allude to it in any way without giving it away. But I love the fact that in my perception, it was one of the most subtle details. It wasn't something that crashed into any scenes it was just there and if you saw it ah it's just a lovely little tinge because uh it references a character that a lot of people were hoping that they would see in this movie that we got a glimpse of and and hopefully because of what's been introduced now with snyder cut we can maybe see more of so i loved um just sort of looking back through this. And yeah, it actually makes me want to go back anyways and see all these scenes again. It's almost like like you've eaten an amazing meal. It's like Thanksgiving <laughs> or something similar. You've had this gigantic meal and an hour or two's passed, maybe a couple, and you get a whiff of uh, something, something that's really delightful from that meal. And there's that part of you that's like, could I go back? Could I possibly go back and have just one more plate? I don't know about you, but uh, I think I got just just like this like sensation that, yeah, I can. And uh, I think I will. Steve, how about you? Sometimes food just tastes better the next day. Mm, 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 leftovers. Yeah, listeners, you need to check out this little Easter egg article. It's superb. Um, when I watch a film these days, doing what we do it's hard not to watch them as a critic but my first viewing of the film i sat down and just tried to watch it as a fan 
and that was a great experience. The second time I watched it, we started to take notes, my son and I, to to prepare for a few articles we've got coming on the site and maybe a little conversation for a podcast that uh, that I do with a couple of fantastic people called Seth, Brad, Kendra and Kelly. But um, those Easter eggs, yeah, I, even I missed a couple and I cannot wait to dive in and check them out. So go to the DC Comics um, website and look for the blog called Rounding Up the Easter Eggs in Zack Snyder's Justice League. You will not regret it. You can start your Easter egg hunt early this year before you look for the chocolate ones. Now, our final movie news piece. Hey, guess what? It's not about the Snyder Cut. Oh, no. But it's about something else we love. A character from the Justice Society. Our man, TikTok. Count down the clock. I can't wait. Brad. What do you make of this story? I'm I'm all for it. Uh, you know, we've talked about how it's great to be a DC fan, but right now it's also great to be a Justice Society fan. Uh, between Stargirl and having them return to the comics, and and um, Black Adam, and I'm wondering if this if they're kind of talking about putting an hour man movie into production if that means that we are going to see him in black adam so maybe we'll have some more casting news about that in the near future so that would kind of be uh cool to see uh, uh and if that's the case i'm sure there'll be an hour man post credit scene in uh in black adam so yeah yeah it, it, it's great seeing characters that aren't well known get their moment to shine and in a whole movie i'm all for it uh, seth what was your take i think this is such a smart move i mean <laughs> one great character great history that you can tap into with the father-son relationship or the connection of both of them wearing the garb taking on the responsibility and we've already had that wonderful introduction on stargirl what I also think is timely is one of the things that eventually our man looked at at some point was what it meant to have something that could give you power for an hour and then go away. And what does that kind of dependence turn into? And I think that's a key element that would really connect with something that plenty of people in this country can understand, either personally, um, through their own experiences, or the experiences they've seen of others. But the idea of of how that plays into being a superhero and what the challenges are like with that, I, I think it opens up some really great possibilities. And I'd say this is a classic character that's due. Brad, I love your suggestion of him being part of Black Adam. If we're going to have the JSA in, I mean, it seems like a great time for a, an introduction of some kind. And it would make sense that if there's already been some sort of talk or work that stimulated the idea that, hey, this could be a solo project. Uh, that only makes me wonder, well, what is it that they're doing so well <laughs> with the Black Adam project that would lead to this? I can only imagine. And now it just makes me hungry to see that, to see just who all finally is showing up from the JSA and, and how much more might be happening down the road. Steve, how about you? Absolutely. The Black Adam movie would be the prime spot to start sowing the seeds for an hour man film, particularly with the other JSA members we know already going to be appearing in it. So, hey, 
fantastic. And Seth, like you said, we've already got a fantastic intro via the Stargirl series. So that's another way in. And, and the characters already, as we said, we love it when the secondary characters, not so many people know, get their chance to shine because they're the ones that open people's eyes to thinking, well, hey, there's more to comic books than just Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, the Avengers. You know, there's other characters out there. And a character who only has his powers for an hour at a time, that's fascinating. What if he's in the middle of battle and his powers fail him? What if he takes it a minute too soon or a minute too late? I mean, what's going to happen? Um, it's brilliant. It's a fascinating character, a character I've always loved. So him getting his own movie, just like Brad said, sign me up. I am there. So, ending our movie news, that does segue almost by magic. Um, whoever put this news list together, <coughs> Seth, did a really good job. Um, because let's talk about Stargirl, where we've already seen Sandman, and where we're going to see Eclipso. Brad. Yeah, I like the I like the look, and I. But you know, really though, I'm just glad that we're getting the character. I think that's going to make the first season was so good, and adding a character like Eclipso as kind of a big bad for season two, that means things can only get better. And uh, yeah, the looks good. Uh, I, I, I'm down. I'm, I'm ready to go for the second season. Can't wait. Uh, Seth, what was your take? Agreed. Can't wait. Um, I, I feel like enough time has passed since the end of season one and the article does reference. So I don't feel wrong about saying when Cindy picked up the diamond, all I could think of was, oh, my God. You just gave the most mm-hmm. dangerous weapon to the nastiest person that that's been on the show so far. Like, right? How dangerous is this person before this weapon? And now she's got it. Uh, Eclipso, when they did that um, crossover event back in the '90s, it was one of the few that made comics for me at that time so horrifying. It, it for such a mainstream crossover. Like, this was not a pretty storyline this was a violent vengeful bloody character so the idea of having him show up in stargirl it's going to be interesting to to show that oh i mean the ugly side that eclipso can unlock in any of us but also what it's going to do to everyone that is affected by either the gem or so much more i mean we all have darkness in our hearts what happens when we're holding the heart of darkness it gets dangerous um and what they've done so far this first season it, it's been quite gorgeous so i can only imagine what's in store for us uh with eclipso and this image i think it's perfect i think it's creepy and i also feel like it's just scratching the surface <laughs> i honestly feel with how well they address so many issues in that first season and how complicated they could have been if it wasn't done so deftly i I really think this could this could be some very subtle ways of showing eclipso and some very well very direct ways i'm looking forward to it steve how about you eclipso is one of those villains that's always scared me um that whole thing about the darkness that's in all of us it's 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 crazy that look is fantastic and hey Listeners, if by any chance you haven't seen this picture of Eclipso, Brad Felicki gave it the thumbs up. 
This is superhero eye for the nerd guy right here. This is the man <laughs> who knows what looks good. So if Brad says so, stand up and listen, fellow nerdizzles, because the man has spoken. Oh, yeah, mm. he has. Now, someone else, everyone on this particular show loves, is a little character called Naomi. Her show is coming, and Ava DuVernay is heading it. And we have the cast member announced who is going to be playing the lead character. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Superheroes these days are getting younger and younger, aren't they? Brad, what do you make of this great story? Yeah, I, I just, I absolutely love that the production of this is moving so quickly because this is the the, the comic was so good and it it does seem like a perfect fit for the cw so i i love that this is coming together and i love that uh ava duvernay is involved and uh i i i do wish that i was a little more uh familiar with casey waffle who is playing naomi i'm gonna have to um, you know, take some time and watch some of the stuff I've never seen. And a lot of people tell me that I really need to watch Power so that they'll maybe give me some more incentive because she was on Power. But um, yeah, I I am so glad that the production on this is moving, uh, you know, full steam ahead. And I did watch Agents of Shield, but I'm still not super. Um, I have to go and and, and refresh my memory on. Uh, Alexander Wraith, uh, who's also joining the uh, the cast, but yeah, just I, I uh, I'm I'm really really excited to see this uh, moving along. Uh, Seth, what was your take? Pure joy, pure just <laughs> unadulterated, unfiltered joy. Uh, this comic just moved me in such lovely ways. I remember. Every moment of conversation between Naomi and her parents and herself, her discovery, uh, I think she's a great character who deserves. I love that she's in the hands of a talented creator like Ada DuVernay. I, I feel like this is a perfect fit for the CW. I, I also feel like so much of this is possible because of how well Black Lightning just really opened up the doors for stories from a perspective that I don't think as many of the CD sh- CW shows had the opportunity to share, and it was able to do so completely and touch on so many powerful ideas. I mean, I remember talking with my friend who does a website on colorism healing, and we were talking about different concepts it brought up, like crabs in a barrel and and others, that they're part of a conversation that might be happening in some communities, but with a project like Black Lightning, it's suddenly being shared across multiple communities. And I think that's so important I think the uh, the character is one that deserves to be in front of us right now on screen. And I think the casting, I mean, the first look that I had, my immediate thought was, I see Naomi immediately, just from everything I loved about the story and the character in the comics. I also don't have any experience with the actor's previous work, but I do know that so far I haven't been disappointed with either... Ava DuVernay's uh, casting choices and selections and the projects that she's had with great actors. And I also have loved almost, I can't think of a choice right now in the CW that I didn't love. 
And um, I think between those things, this just sounds like one of those beautiful surprises. Like you, you're flipping through your feed, you see this story, you just sort of chuckle and go, man, it's, it's like... <laughs> It's like that great moment in The Simpsons <laughs> when uh, Bart's friend's like, man, everything's coming up Millhouse. Like, that's that's just how I feel. I don't know how to say it. Steve, how about you? That was perfect. I could not have put that any better myself. This has just got hit written all over it. And listeners, um, if you don't know about Naomi, right now is the time to find out. She's only had one series, just a few issues, easy to pick up, already collected in a trade. She's um, also appeared at the tail end of Brian Bendis's Young Justice series. Again, well worth picking up. Great fun. But hey, this character is a big deal. She is now a member of the Justice League. So people get in on the ground floor. Pick up your Naomi comics. That's where it all started. And when the show starts, you'll be able to tell your friends, hey, I know about this character. She's awesome. Let me tell you more. Fantastic. Right. So we've talked TV, movies, and let's have a little break. Let's uh, refresh the old vocal cords, pay some bills, and we'll be back in a few moments to talk about comics, where this all came from, and a couple of other little bits of news, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. 
My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, Nards. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to... Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. 
content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un, unseasonable Santa hat. Accepted season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. So, this is episode 110 of the DC Comics News Podcast. Brad, Seth, and I have already talked about movies, TV, and streaming, but now we're going to talk about those four-color pieces of wonder, the magic that is comic books. Now, everybody knows that I am a huge Denny O'Neill fan, so when I read this story, I smiled. His son is going to be part of the amazing Green Arrow 80th anniversary 100 page super special, which, yes, I will be buying absolutely. But Brad, will you be picking it up? Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, 2020 had a lot of crummy things happen, and one of the crummiest was the passing of Denny O'Neill. And it's just a shame that he is not around to to see this uh, special. But it is so amazing that uh, his son can participate. I love that he's going to be involved. That makes me want to pick it up that much more. And knowing how well DC has nailed these kind of anthologies and anniversary books, it's just it's it's uh, it's like I can't lose. So, yeah, I'll I'll definitely be picking this up. Uh, Seth, what about you? I don't know why you guys have such amazing timing, but it was like while this story was going and Brad was responding to this train, I suddenly heard toot its horn roaring in the background. That tells me I don't want to miss this one. I don't want to be late for the train. <laughs> I love it when timing like that happens. I just sort of chuckle like, are you kidding me? Is the train really trying to tell me don't be late? Don't miss out. Don't get don't get caught. Don't 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 because this would be a sad thing to miss. I love the fact that uh, his son is able to be a part of it. I also had no idea that uh, <laughs> that uh, Larry O'Neill had directed Breastman, which was just one of those really smart, um, really just interesting stories and told a story about something that if you were pitching it might not seem so interesting, but it was so well captured. And I love that now he gets a chance to say, hey, dad, let's take a moment. And we're all going to remember you for your fans, for all the people that you touched and shared your joy with. And because of you, all the stories we get to enjoy, I'm going to be uh, adding this to my collection. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. And I, I love the idea that this is just something that happened. Like, hey, we're going to bring in his son and there's going to be some magic. Everybody enjoy. Steve, how about you? No one, but no one does an anthology like DC Comics. I mean, let's just look back at the last three or four years here. Action Comics 1000. Wow. Detective 1000, Detective 1027. Wow. The Robin, Joker, Catwoman 80th Anniversaries, Flash 750, Wonder Woman 750. This year we're going to be getting Jon Stewart's 50th Anniversary and, hey, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow in his own 80th anniversary special. I mean, um, yeah, it's a trope. Kendra, talk about this. 
every week we say it's a great time to be a DC fan. But with this book, it's a super great time. Denny O'Neill, Larry's dad, is in there. Of course, he had to be. But come on, some of the other talents on the roster, this is a must-have book. Um, I know several Green Arrow fans who are jumping up and down for joy. And please, please, please let this hopefully mean we're going to get another Green Arrow ongoing because it's about time um, we miss Ollie, we miss Dinah. They deserve their time in the sun. They're great characters. Please, 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 DC, let this be a hit and bring these fantastic heroes back into the spotlight. Speaking of comics and spotlights, um, Games Radar published an article with all of DC's June solicitations dropping very early. And how much cool stuff is on this list? Hey, this would be a podcast for itself if you went through every single one. So, gentlemen, um, having read this article, point out your favourites. What are you looking forward to in the early parts of the summer? Brad. You know, I'm questionable about crossovers, but you had me at Batman versus Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. I'm really curious what that is going to be all about. But there is there's a lot of interesting things here that I uh, that I want to check out. Uh, The Crush and Lobo, number one, even though I'm not such a Lobo fan, I I, I do kind of want to see them interact. I think that can be uh, a lot of fun. And uh, we're finally getting Poison Ivy Thorns, which I am also looking forward to. And, you know, we uh, said, I believe you and I talked about this last week, DC Pride number one. That should be, I mean, the talent in that book alone is is Mm. monumental uh, for sure. So, yeah, you know, once again, an amazing time to be a DC fan. And, you know, it, it just perplexes me so much that uh at a time when dc is is putting out such great books in print that they have so much inner turmoil going on within the comic book division of dc it's just uh, it's like how can they i i you know it's it's just it's it's kind of you know mind-boggling and sad that that they they can't really enjoy the greatness that they're putting out because they're, you know, they're trying to stay ahead of the curve in a way and deal with all this, this turmoil and the staff turnovers and everything else that they've been dealing with over the past year. But, um, you know, June is looking to be as great a month as any to be um, to be reading these books. And I'm also glad to see uh, that Infinite Frontier kind of like the, the the guidebook that was a digital first. That I think that's coming into print. So. Hopefully, maybe that'll mean that some of these other digital firsts are going to be uh, coming to newsstands, which I, I personally I would I would love. Uh, Seth, what was your take? Oh my goodness, there's a lot of good stuff to unpack here. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, Batman, Batman Reptilian looks phenomenal. Uh, Whistle, that one really just tickled my brain. Like this new Gotham hero, Whistle. Tell me more, because. Oh. <laughs> yep. And how did I forget to mention Reptilian? Ah, we talked about that it's last okay, week, and now I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. And I love also seeing our boy, Mr. Liam Sharp, you know, involved with so many of these great projects, whether it's on Reptilian or 
I was just scrolling through and I saw his name on another one and I tried to flip back and I can't I can't get the screen to load fast enough. Um, but there's some really awesome things coming out. And it's also a little interesting because at least one of the titles in this list is coming up in one of our soon to be uh topics that we'll be continuing to talk about in comics. So it's interesting to see it appear here and yet have um, a different report coming our way. I, I love all the stuff that, you know, they're suggesting. I do happen to know at least one person on this podcast who's very excited about Nice House on the Lake. <clears throat> I believe his name rhymes Who with that be? Reeve. Um, and <laughs> I also uh, I also read Love the Infinite Frontier Secret Files. That looks the uh, that that looks like just a, a must have if if you're having any fun with that or if you want to be having any fun with it. Like, why would you not include it? Why would you not <laughs> add that? Uh, uh, just a, overall, just an amazing assortment. And yeah, I. I get what you were just describing, Brad, that whole idea of growing and building. And because of it, all this success, all this wonder that's happening, it's harder to enjoy with turmoil and uncertainty and challenges like that. Uh, another one, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, I love the Cara Jor-El Future State stuff. It, it, it painted a whole new light, not only visually. I mean, which was just gorgeous stuff, but the story and the whole concept. And I love this idea of, of showing us her perspective. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm overall just kind of overwhelmed by the amount. But looking back over it, one of the stories that's just stuck in my brain is this idea of Whistle. And I think between that and a couple of other ones where it's just like, so what could that story be like? It's just a lot of fun and excitement and some stories that, you know, we'd already talked about, Brad, like you mentioned, Batman, Reptilian, Wonder Woman, Black and Gold. Like these are things that we'd had hints of, but it's it's awesome with this great list. And Steve, you were right. We could spend an entire podcast talking about everything on this. Hopefully we didn't take up too much time just trying to squeeze through some of our top favorites. What were yours? Uh, exactly what you said. Wonder Woman, Black and Gold, Batman, Reptilian, Liam Sharp. Oh, that art. Please, please, please let the rumours be true that he will be taking on the chores for the Arkham Asylum sequel with Grant Morrison because he's the only one who could literally not just fill Dave McKeon's shoes but step over entire skyscrapers with them because this dude is not only just a great guy we know we've talked to him he is a phenomenal artist and um well yeah um seth this is reeve j stay reporting on the nice house on the lake uh james tyne the fourth alvaro martinez on a horror book OMFG, did someone read my mind and decide to make the ultimate comic book with two of my favorite creators of today? Hey, yes, they did. Am I going to buy it? Mm hmm. Do I have to sell my internal organs and stuff? Maybe. I don't care. I don't need them. Plug me into a machine. Give me the comics and give them to me now. <sighs> In other news, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about how Event Leviathan Checkmate, that other story which could have featured Green Arrow and is our only bad news comic book story of the week, 
has been postponed <sighs> indefinitely. Brad. Uh, you know, uh, this uh, this was kind of expected. I think um, it had been delayed and delayed. And, you know, once again, going back to the whole turmoils and everything, I, I think that that just didn't help matters either. So, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, we'll, you know, we will still be able to see this. And one option could be as much as I you know, prefer the print books, maybe going a digital route with this series at some point is is possible. So hopefully, you know, hopefully at some point we will we will still see it. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's just uh, it, it is unfortunate, but we uh, will see. Uh, Seth, what was your take? So this was a confusing story for me because it, it says that it's about a delay. And then at the top of the story, it says there's an update. That says that after announcing the delay, now it will be coming out. <laughs> and that was probably the one thing that stuck with me is, so which is it? Which which is it? Because <laughs> it sounds like it's a, you know, indefinite delay. Um, then it sounds like it's coming back on for six. Um, I feel like this story is going to potentially uh, change directions at least one or two more times. And I, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Uh, <laughs> that was probably the one thing that caught me the most is we see it on the list. The story says that it's about the delay. But then you get into it and it starts talking about how, well, no, actually, there was a delay. But now it's going to be on the list. Right. And um, I'm still left with the mystery. Maybe this is all part of the hype around Checkmate. The whole idea of do you know what you think you know and we're only going to tell you on a need to know. I don't know. Steve, what do you know? I think we're getting mixed messages. Hmm, our checkmates involved in all the conspiracies to misinform us all. Is this fake news? I just don't know. Either way, like Brad said, this series has been through development hell from day one. Um, and let, let's face it, Brian Bendis is all over the place right now. He's just taken on Justice League. And whereas um, it, it's on record that I, I didn't overtly love his Superman stuff, I didn't hate it. Um, that first issue of Justice League has made me smile. So I want to see more Green Arrow. If the they're just waiting and delaying to see how this 100-page anniversary special plays out, I don't know. Checkmate were always a fascinating group of characters, one of John Byrne's lasting legacies in DC Comics long after he left the company. So I want to see this series. Like Brad said, if it asked me digital first, huh, cool, I'll pick up the paper copy later. But hey, um, let's give it a chance and fingers crossed. But um, yeah, reporters i don't know please can they make their minds up when are we going to see it are we going to see it um please tell us we're interested we like the comics you want to read all the comics so uh yeah very mixed messages what you gonna do but uh, nothing mixed in the next story um uh old batman editor chris conroy lovely chap um uh, was with him on many panels the last uh, uk comic-con that was live he's moved on from gotham city to be a new boss of the adult orientated black label imprint which we all love and hey 
Um, Chris is a great guy. He seems to be a fantastic editor. This, to me, is very good news. Brad, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued about this because I liked everything that he has worked on before. Uh, you know, as far as kind of the black label books, uh, you know, he's he did the um, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red. Uh, you know, the uh, Martian Manhunter series, Boys and Ivy Cycle, Life and Death. So he, I, I like what he's what he uh, has worked on before. So I welcome him aboard. The black label books have been um, some of my favorite reads lately so uh, i'm you know I, i'm anxious to see what you know what he's got in store and you know you, you that we're talking about the nice house on the lake and i hope we see more of those kind of projects and more things like the hill house comics i, I would love to see more of those horror books come out so hopefully uh hopefully he's listening <laughs> and uh and we'll listen because i would love to see more of those books so yeah i i uh uh I think that he'll bring some cool things to Black Label. Seth, what was your take? Mr. Conroy, are you listening? Because Brad, well, he's a wishing. <laughs> um, Steve, man, too. Steve, I, too. I hope it does play out. Steve, too. Yeah, it just rhymes so well with how Brad was saying he was wishing. And let's, yeah, it was just Steve. Sorry, man. I'll, I'll, I'll combine the lyrics. <laughs> I'll make it work. I was just chuckling as I was I was listening to you, Brad. It just made me smile. I, I agree with you on a lot of these projects. I loved what you did with Martian Manhunter. Um, I think Black Label uh, needs to continue. I, I find it interesting that he worked underneath the uh, the previous executive editor, Mark Doyle, who founded Black Label. So he's familiar with a lot of that day-to-day responsibility, what that next rung on the ladder would look like so to move him into that position seems like a really smart move i hope he is listening to what brad and steve are saying about uh projects like nice house on the lake i also think that if it's done right black label can really continue to deliver some of the beautiful and original and just slightly off of the mainstream books but because of that they have the ability to create so much more to be that much more imaginative without being constrained by other outside considerations. And I think the independence makes for some of the wonderful stories we've had to talk about here on Black Label. Hopefully it's signaling uh, more great things to come. Steve, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, He's a talented guy. He's a lovely guy to talk to. I've witnessed him almost pulling his hair out at a couple of panels and interviews, um, particularly with John Romita Jr. and Frank Miller, when they were just like dropping spoilers for Superman Year One months and months before it came out. So, um, uh, Chris, I salute you. Congratulations on the promotion. And um, Black Label has been killing it. I've yet to read a Black Label book I don't like. Let's put it that way. And hey, yeah, more horror comics. That's right up our alleys. Um, Bradley said so. Give us some more of the scary stuff. We want the scary stuff. And um, let's have some more of the free stuff, too. Free Comic Book Day is coming. Uh, We all know that DC have a book plan. They always do. Of course, um, it won't be distributed by Diamond, who uh, still welcome DC's participation. Is this a little bit sour grapes? Is this just uh, Diamond being Diamond? Brad, what did you make of this strange little comic book story? You know, let them deal with that and figure that out. I just am glad that 
they haven't said DC can't participate, and I hope that DC does. Uh, there are some good books that are going to be part of this, so I'm really looking forward to it this year, and I really missed it last year. Uh, you know, and I think that I think we've talked about it. You know, us here on the podcast, it's one of our favorite days of the year. Is just, you know, I just love the idea of going and picking up a f- ton of free comics and seeing what's out there. It's just so much fun, and you know, seeing that list roll out and seeing no DC books was really definitely jarring. But uh, hopefully, they can you know figure out a way to to um, be involved and give us some you know give us some of that free good comic stuff that we all love so much. Uh, Seth, what was your take? Uh, yeah, there's, in my opinion, this was one of those statements of, yeah, that's not our business. <laughs> and so therefore, we're not going to comment on it, which it, it, it sure sounds like sour grapes, Steve. I, I'm not going to say it is. I'm not going to tell somebody that what their intention was or what their words were, but it sure sounds like it. So based on that, uh, I think DC will be <clears throat> participating. I'm pretty sure that it must have been part of that conversation when you make the decision that, hey, we're we're going to step away. We're not going to be in collaboration with Diamond anymore. What's that going to look like in the future for all the different things we want to do? So I, I have a, a certain confidence that this was something that was addressed early on. If not, guys, don't make me nervous like that. Have this addressed from early on. Otherwise, uh, it's a great day. I love going. I love that my local comic shop, who I, I love to, you know, when they do stuff like this, it's always fun to just say, hey, Cape and Cowl, man. They, they've done something where usually there's a limit at most of the shops where you can get so many books, you have to pick the ones. And, you know, from there, you're just lucky depending on when you get in, what's available and, and what you can get your hands on. Well, they've done a thing where it's like, hey, you want to stack the odds in your favor? bringing canned food and for so much quantity of canned foods given for uh, a food providing project you'll be able to get even more books than whatever a limit might be so the idea is bring canned food get more free comics which is an equation right it just makes sense mathematically (laughs) it just makes sense in your heart so, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the fact that when you can take something like this and then turn it into something like that, it's already a better day. And then I'm a proud uncle. My, one of my favorite things to do is I know of at least one shop, Dr. Comics and Mr. Games, where they have a kid's bag. And if I say, hey, I'm also going to get a set for my nieces and nephews so I can send it off to them, they'll hand me a bag of already pre-selected all of the kids' age-appropriate comics in a bag you can get that bag, and then you can pick the ones that you want to get for yourself. Like, you, you got to love the shared, you know, understanding of the fact that not everyone can get to these shops to get this stuff. But if you can for someone and be that facilitator, the comic shop's going to help you out. I I always love those elements of free comic book day. This little part just seems like Diamond wanted to say something because Diamond wanted to say something. And guess what, Diamond? You said it. I don't know what else you want. You said it. <laughs> I'm not going to pat you on the back for it. I'm not going to cheer you or anything else. I'm just going to say, okay, you felt like you need to say something, and you said it. Doesn't change what I think is still going to be a great free comic book day. Steve, how about you? Yeah, exactly that. Um, 
I'd actually honestly even forgotten about the whole DC Diamond Rift, even though we talked about nothing else for many weeks. Because, hey, my DC books are still coming into my comic book store. Hey, they're coming in a day earlier than every other book. We're getting DC Comics on Tuesdays, not Wednesdays, even over here in the UK. Who knew? So, uh, Diamond, yeah, you go right on ahead um, welcoming a contribution from DC. Uh, You go right ahead doing you... And I can still forget that you even exist because, hey, as long as I'm getting my comics, I don't care if you're bringing them or not. Um, Great stuff. Carry on. Good job. Um, Next free comic book day, please. So that's wrapped up our comics news. So let's talk about something completely different. And in other news, the Gotham Knights release date has been delayed. Video Master Brad, your thoughts, please, sir. I am completely okay with this because gamers are very used to the idea of games getting delayed. It's very rare that they come out when they're originally supposed to for a lot, especially, you know, these bigger titles. So I would rather wait and have a finished game come out that is better instead of something buggy uh you know cyberpunk being a perfect example of that uh sure you made people angry by keeping delaying it but when you comes out and it's almost unplayable on certain systems that's no good that's going to make a lot more people angry uh so i'm i'm willing to wait and i think it's also good because that gives even more people time to get the new the newest systems because i know that demand and the you know and covid has made getting a ps5 and an xbox series really hard to do and i and that still seems to be the case so hopefully you know as we get closer to the holidays and and january throughout this year that they'll become more and more available so more people will be able to play this on the most up-to-date current generation system so I'm still really looking forward to it, but uh, I, I am willing. I am willing to wait for a better finished game. Uh, Seth, what was your take? Man, really, I just wanted to hear what you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that uh, I was going to get some great feedback. And Steve, I think uh, is this one of the games you said you said your son plays as well. So that's kind of what I was figuring. Is I was I would get I'm sure sort of a sense be, of yeah. everything. Yeah, so I, I sort of figured that, you know, my opinion was mostly going to be based on what you guys said. <laughs> I know these games are hugely popular. I, I had not been as familiar with some of the stuff you brought up, Brad, like the idea that um, the game you just mentioned, which now just escapes my brain. Cyberpunk. Uh, that, thank you, Cyberpunk. That, you know, you can release something when you say you're going to, but if it's a bad release, Why? Why not take the time to do it right? I, I have nothing but respect for somebody who does it right. I'll never forget I had a great writing teacher who was like, you know who I think is a writer who's paying attention to their work? When they've got a printed copy and they're sitting down rereading it before they turn it in and they're making changes. You know why? Because it matters. And if you're going to put that much effort to it, if you're going to see a mistake, catch it, fix it. Show the person that you're showing it to how much you care that that's what i take away from this so if you're going to take the time to do it right you're going to care enough about who's going to get it and how much they're going to enjoy it instead of having a clunky experience well you're always going to be better off in the end i mean 
it's going to be part of the theme for a while. Look how long we waited for the Snyder Cut. You hear anybody complaining? How about you, Stu? Um, Seth, how can you not know about cyberpunk? I mean, seriously, dude, where have you been? Cyberpunk is that Elseworlds story where Victor Stone joined the Sex Pistols. Come on. Where where have you been hiding? Do you not know anything about video games? (laughs) What? I'm Um, under a rock. I've got a couple of bugs with me. There's a millipede and a centipede. And apparently they both want to fight over me. It's so weird, man. Yeah, you should check it out. I know. Uh, these video games, asteroids, uh, that that's something that happens when you sit on a cold rock for too long. No. Anyway, listen, um, Gotham Knights. <laughs> Gotham Knights. Uh, my son, actually, obviously, uh, the younger generation, Brad, aren't as patient as us old timers. And he's actually really annoyed that the game's been delayed. But he does say, uh, yeah, uh, nothing new there. It always happens. But he really wants to play this one. So uh, um, um, we'll have to wait for Nightwing and his friends a little bit longer, it seems. But hey, there are worse things happened at sea. Right. I did say we'd uh, finished talking about the Snyder Snyder Cut. I, I meant the film. Because um, there's cool stuff that's coming out of the Snyder Cut that have spun out of the film, including a fantastic Iron Studios Superman statue and some fantastic action figures. Brad, let's talk about Snyder Cut things that we can look at and hold. I, I love looking at these things because even though I don't collect toys, I feel like I can live vicariously and if i did i would love this statue and these figures and these figures uh seth we talked about these last week but it looks like they're up for pre-order and that is cool and one thing that i kind of like about these figures in a way is they almost look like you can give them to they're like a halfway point between those things you put on your shelf and what you give your kids to play with uh there's a certain practicality about them but the design is still flawless so yeah these are great looking figures great uh, great looking statue uh you know these are going to uh, fly off the shelves so you know i uh it's it's a great time to be a DC fan. It's also a great time to collect DC collectibles. Uh, Seth, what was your take? It really, really is. And yeah, what a halfway point. Like, yeah, hey, just don't play too rough with this. But you can play with this one. Those ones on the shelf, don't you touch. Don't, 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 don't. Uh, <laughs> so I love the fact that you can be like, it's gorgeous. And you can play with it. Ain't that nice? Uh, the uh, the Iron Studio statue. Uh, gorgeous. I mean, beautifully rendered i love that he's in the black suit and i love that also like you know there's this interesting thing going on with the pre-orders with mcfarland it's like you can get everything through the pre-order except that one blue suited set superman that's the target one so that that's a really interesting like little twist on all of this i don't collect the uh figures as well i i would but then i would stop podcasting because i wouldn't be able to afford the equipment i use to podcast i would pawn it so that I could have more. It, it, I know what I am. It, it would be an addiction. It would end badly for everyone. Um, but there is something beautiful about recognizing the exquisite detail taken in these. And these wonderful images and the quality of McFarlane. 
uh, Iron Studios. I mean, you love it when craftsmen, craftspeople are able to bring something to life this way. And these are gorgeous examples. Steve, which ones are going on your shelf, my friend? Oh, Seth, if only if I had the money and if I had the space, um, action figures and these uh, statues. I mean, everything that Sideshow puts out, um, Iron Studios, the, the whole shebang. I, I said with Brad on previous shows that if I had a lottery win, I'd open my own comics and memorabilia store. And I would also have like an air aircraft hangar full of this kind of stuff because I love it. But I have literally got to confine myself to the comic books because otherwise, A, I'd be bankrupt. B, I'd be divorced, or C, I'd possibly be murdered by my wife saying, I cannot take any more of this nerd shiz invading every corner of my house, Steve. I love you, but you must die. So, you know, this stuff is fantastic. Do you remember when we were kids and action figures all had the same face, but slightly different hair and slightly different clothes? These <laughs> McFarlane toys, these, um, right? Yeah, because I, I I always say that you know when I say the whole living vicariously thing that that is is exactly kind of what I mean because these I look at these and I'm thinking man that's exactly what I hoped for or wanted when I was about. playing with those yeah when I was playing with those ugly Han Solo figures <laughs> from like that original <laughs> like <laughs> Han Solo via Ken from Barbie yeah, yeah. I mean what. Oh, so, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> these things are beautiful. I mean, some of them actually scare me in, in the way they are so lifelike, the, the way I'm actually holding this figure and I'm thinking, hang on, has Gal Gadot been miniaturized and her, had her soul sucked out of her and actually been shrunk into this figure because this is scarily realistic? These things rock. And honestly, yes, Seth. I wish, brother. I really wish, because they are fantastic. And a, a couple of, of really good friends, uh, one in particular, Max Byrne, who writes for Dark Knight News and DC Comics News and, and, and has a brilliant uh, show called Mandatory Marvel and DC on the uh, Comics in Motion Network. He collects these action figures, and he's the kind of guy who keeps the mint in the box. And his collection, honestly, I drool and he keeps sending me pictures whenever he gets new stuff and kendra's hubby ed does the same kind of thing and i just think oh man if only but hey i'll stick to the comics because they take up a little bit less space and when i get a trade paperback or a hardback it actually goes on a shelf and and my wife says oh yeah that doesn't look too bad but watch it you i've got my eye on you hmm. i know i'm in trouble when she calls me Stephen. Um, when, when the N comes out, I know that I've gone too far and I need to hide. So, uh, yeah, um, oh, Iron Studios, Sideshow Collectibles, McFarlane Toys, I love you, but oh, live vicariously. Thank you, Brad. That That's definitely the correct phrase. Now, do you dance? Do you tango? Do you go to spin class? Hey, what? Spin Master Bat-Tech Batman? Brad, your thoughts, please. Now, these are toys that they that kids could definitely play with, it looks like, and I love that. Uh, the design is still really on point. 
and all the cool little armor that Batman has and the colors. Yeah, these these are these are cool, and I think that these are definitely. I, I could see my little niece and nephew playing with these for sure, and I just I love that idea. So yeah, I I, I dig these figures. Seth, what was your take? Yeah, exactly. Like no question made about. Hey, can I can I give this? Can I not? Will it get ruined? Um, these were really fun examples of Batman, Batwoman. Um, <laughs> a really fun take on Joker. I I, I I get a big kick out of the Batmobile, which I thought was pretty righteous. And overall, I, I love that there's such an interest that there's this continued interest that you can bring out this new line and already see. Wow. Yep. I could see giving that. I can see one of my nieces or nephews saying, like, I, I, I want uncle. I want please. And, you know, all I got to do is say the right combination of uncle, please. And your heart melts and you're so many dollars poor, but they're smiling. So who cares? Right, Steve? Yeah, you can't put a price on a kid's smile. That's the most precious, most beautiful thing in the world. And it's great in the age where we have these works of art disguised as toys that you can still have these multicolored, crazy, wacky, superb costume like something out of Dick Sprang's worst nightmare toys still available for the kids. It's great because, hey, Brad, Seth, how many times do I say if you get these fans young, you've got fans for life? We are living proof. So it's yep. brilliant. So this kind of stuff needs to be out there. Crazy Batmobile, wacky, colorful Batman, crazy Superman, Batwoman. Dude, um, I always loved it when my son was born, when he was little. The amount of really cool shears that I could buy and pretend it was for him. Um, yeah, <laughs> these kind of things make that real brilliant so for our final story of the evening sticking with the other category something all of us love is a comic convention and we miss the real thing but hey every single virtual con that comes out is better than the last but there is news about comics convention brad what did you make of it uh, you know, I, I'm glad to see that uh, some cons are coming back. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little leery to see if some of these will actually take place, especially the ones like in May and and April. Fingers crossed. Uh, I do hope that this can happen because I cannot wait to get back to to comic conventions uh and i'm i'm looking at those hopeful dates in october there october 7 10 for new york comic-con and oh i hope it happens going two years without a new york comic-con is just uh that's uh, so rough but once again though you know you got to think bigger picture and how important it was you know that everything was kind of delayed and made virtual last year and into this year and hopefully this is a sign that things are you know getting closer to being back to normal and i did notice also that uh so far it looks like uh big apple con is going to happen that's another much smaller new york comic con that's much more centered on comics 
And uh, I'm trying to scroll through here. I saw that. I saw that posted, and I just don't see the actual dates. But I hope that I hope that that can actually, you know, also actually happen. So we will we will see. Uh, Seth, what was your take? Man, I thought about you guys the moment I read over this story. I mean, it, it, it was two two that stuck with me. And the moment I saw it, the dates and the names, uh, the first one was July, London Film and Comic-Con. And the second one was in October for the New York Comic-Con. And as soon as I saw those, I was like, why is it that my my heart just sort of smiles? I've heard wonderful stories from you both about Comic-Cons. And I, I know that for every chance there is to go and see one. I mean, it's a chance to exchange. It's a chance to be among the community. It's a chance to see what's new. But I also love the fact, Brad, you pointed out so well, like we had to go through the time we did in order to be where we are now. And I personally am still going to be a little bit leery about large public things. I'm not always the guy who's like at home in a sea of humanity. Um, and I've had plenty of reasons not to over the past year, but Part of me also feels like we did that. That time came and went. And I love the optimism and the possibility, the the idea that there's enough hope going right now that these things aren't being suggested as a as a maybe. They're currently on the calendar. Uh, I don't know if it's confidence or something else, but I like the direction. I like that feeling of it. And I'm hoping it continues to build. Steve, how about you? Yeah, I agree with points you both very, very uh, well put across that May, June does seem a little bit early and that does raise certain levels of anxiety in me. But July for the London Film and Comic Con and October for the MCM, that's that's the big one in the UK. But also seeing little cons like Harrogate and Liverpool hopefully going forward means that a lot of my friends and colleagues who live in the north of England can finally um, use their press passes and get in and, and meet some of their heroes and talk to them for themselves too. And that's the thing about the virtual cons, even though they're brilliantly organised, great content comes out, it's that personal touch, that personal experience of sitting down with a writer or artist or actor or actress that you love and whose work you're a fan of and talking to them and and asking them a question and getting a smile and possibly even a hug and that's something you can't replicate in a virtual con that's something you can't am i right brad yeah i always say that for me every year going into new york comic-con is like the uh, the blind melon video for no rain yeah you see the sad b-girl walking around (laughs) doesn't fit in and she opens that gate and things turn colorful and there's all these bees dancing around and she got that big great grin on her face and she runs in that is what it's like for us going to a con that's what it's like me going into the javits center for the first time you know for the con that you know it's just and i and i miss that and um yeah 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 definitely uh it's something that we as fans need uh and Man, I I think that for me, going to a con will be one of the very biggest um, examples of the pandemic being over. I think oh, that, that you know, and and I can't wait to have that to have that moment. 
because it is such a fantastic feeling being in a huge space with people like you and i'm sure that at some point or another in our lives we we possibly felt being comics fans being sci-fi fantasy fans or whatever that there weren't that many people like us and when you're in a room that size full of them and you can stop someone and say oh wow cool cosplay can we take a picture and yeah absolutely and you mm. make friends and you meet friends and you see friends you haven't seen in a long time who've traveled specifically down to the con it's it's a little bit magic it's it's a wonderful thing so um i just want that to be the clearest indicator as you so beautifully put brad that this whole nightmare scenario this whole two years of life on the alien planet is over and we're returning to the home and comforts and loves and colors and brilliant experiences of home and honestly a good convention feels like that it's like coming home to a family that's bigger and more colorful and crazier even than the ones you're actually related to and saying that about my family is a pretty scary thought <laughs> so guys that's it that's the end of another episode thank you as always for your insights your, your, your beautiful thoughts and uh making me smile as you always do so Let's uh, wrap up episode 110 of the DC Comics News podcast. First of all, by telling the entire world where they can reach us, speak to us, read our work or hear our voices. Brad. Uh, you can find me uh, writing news reviews for DC Comics News. You can find me on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, part of the DC Comics News podcast and network. And you can also follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Seth, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me hanging out with the great gang here uh, as many weeks as I can on the weekly podcast. Every week hosting the uh, Spinner Rack and whenever we get a chance to sit down for some, well, somewhat, no, completely adult conversations about Harley Quinn. Uh, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter as one more singleton. Uh, you can find me out there uh, hosting other stuff and having fun doing it. If you want to know how or where, just type Seth Singleton in the word story into a search engine. Come say hi. Uh, in the meantime, Steve, where can the good people find you? Similar kind of situation. Most weeks I can be found with Seth and Brad, Kelly and Kendra talking about the world of DC and TV, movies, streaming, games, comics and everything else. And I love it here. It's warm. It's friendly. You can also catch my dulcet tones on the I Am The Night podcast with my son Adam and the occasional guest star every week talking about Batman the animated series every now and then you'll hear me on the harley quinn cast and um fingers crossed soon we'll have a fashion cast from uh, good old brad and i can listen to seth telling me about all the latest comics and which ones i should buy and shouldn't buy and um, then i can find out where i can get the money from um but if you want to read my work just type steve j ray or fantastic universes into your search engine of choice to take you across three wonderful websites to read my news reviews and interviews but please talk to me because i can talk i can talk talk more than most people i can talk the back legs off a donkey catch me on twitter at el stevo el underscore s-t-e-e-v-o 
all the aforementioned shows can be found on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you find your favourite shows. And DC Comics News, Dark Knight News can be found all over the internet and on Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, YouTube. Hey, Kelly's on YouTube now, DC After Dark, that show's hilarious do check that one out as well but until you do do like us rate us review us search for us find us talk to us love us because we love you all and until that time there's something you really need to do first though and that is to read more comics take care all <laughs>